Welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I am Editor-in-Chief Polly Gatos, and this episode is pretty special. Uh, it is an interview with Kyle Carroza, who is the creator of Mighty Magiswords on Cartoon Network. Yay! Uh, the very cool thing about this episode in particular is that uh, Kyle was our very first artist feature, and I think I mentioned it in this interview, but in case I didn't, uh, yeah, he was our very first one. If you have been reading the Tokusatsu Network for a while, uh, he we do a bi-weekly artist feature that highlights uh, both amateur, I guess, I hate to say amateur, uh, but who highlights professional and non-professional artists with a love for tokusatsu. So we've got Kyle was our very first one. Uh, we had Thomas Perkins, who's done, who's worked on the Godzilla animated series before. We got Jordan Gibson, who is a huge tokusatsu fan, uh, who's uh, been a colorist for Marvel and DC Comics and is coming up with his own comic down the line soon. Uh, but yeah, but what made this interview really special was that when I heard that Kyle Carosa had a new show at Cartoon Network. Color me excited! Um, He and I met because I reached out to him for the very first artist feature, and he and I have been pretty good friends since. Uh, We run into each other all the time in terms of like events and cons and stuff like that, so this was a really, 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 really special interview for me. not only to highlight his work, uh, especially his new show that's on Cartoon Network, and I'm so, so happy for this interview. Um, just as a programming note, this interview is going to start really awkwardly because I did not realize that the mic was not recording, and he and I had actually been chatting for a good 20 minutes before I even remembered to turn the mic on and it was so horrifying <laughs> you probably hear it in my voice but it was so so horrifying that I totally forgot to turn on the mic but I was really glad uh that I remembered just then but yeah Kyle before then was talking about how he moved to California from New York and where he grew up and stuff like that. So hopefully one day, you know, we'll probably have the same conversation again. <laughs> but yeah, Mighty Magistors is um, going to be out in September. The first five minutes, uh, first full five minutes mini episode is on Cartoon Network now as I record this intro. Um, but yeah, really, really, really happy again to be able to interview him. And thanks you so much to Cartoon Network and Kyle for being so awesome to do this interview. Uh, So thanks. Here we go. (laughs) Hi, Kyle. Thanks for joining me. Hi, I just got here. You totally just got here. (laughs) Are are we recording now? Oh my God, we're totally recording now. Let's explain what happened. So we had this amazing conversation about how Kyle... 
you know, started uh, working and where he came from and how he moved out here, how he met his wife, and how she's now like an ama- working on as a character designer for the Mighty Matter Swords. And I forgot to press record, and I feel so silly. It was really cool, you guys. You should have heard it. It was so. It was such a good conversation. We had this long conversation about Tokusatsu, and yeah. And I'm actually going to like rewind to that conversation okay. because I want to ask like you mentioned in our earlier part one, right? That will forever be only between you and me. Yes. And every lovely person <laughs> in this room. Look, I don't mind repeating stuff. So we'll just let you. I'll, I'll, I'm letting you stay here. I don't. Oh I don't God. mind. <laughs> I appreciate that. How much faith you have in me now? I've proven myself <laughs> unworthy of that faith. Um, <laughs> hi, Kyle. It's fine. It's fine, Paula. It's fine. <laughs> um, so what you like you were we were talking about earlier how Tokusatsu really influenced like all the things that you've been pitching for right. for Cartoon Network and all the things that you worked on. So you said that you found four uh, you found Forze. Let's like let's like I I love that story. Like so, how did you get into Toku in the first place? Okay, so let's start there. Of so uh, so uh, I I started like a lot of people did. Um, you know, watching, watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when it came on because mm-hmm. it was kind of a phenomenon. And actually, I. You know what, here, here's a tidbit that I didn't add before. I actually saw an article about it in a magazine before it started airing. Mm. Uh, it, it was uh, Wild Cartoon Kingdom magazine that actually had a bunch of articles in it that mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rich Purcell, our head writer, wrote. And uh, it was an interesting magazine because uh, besides just bes- besides being about cartoons, they were also just kind of like talking about the wonder of like old school Saturday morning, which and at this point, which is about the 90s, it was kind of coming to... You know, a close like right. the Fox stuff was happening, and that was cool for the moment. But then, you know, a few years later, it would all be gone. So they were just kind of like talking about the '70s glory days, and it's like, hey, check out this Power Rangers thing. It's kind of like old Croft shows. Check this out. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was. I was about high school age, so I was really technically kind of too old for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I never really cared about that. And so it was like, we wouldn't be in this. Right, what is this really thing? <laughs> it's like, well, this is kind of stupid and wonderful at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm on board. I'm on board with this cheese. I will eat this cheese. Um, and I will so... use that phrase so often. <laughs> I will eat this cheese. Yes. And so, uh, and so you know, I enjoyed that like everybody else did. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, you know, later I would uh, go to, uh, actually not Little Tokyo. It was like Chinatown mm-hmm. because Little Tokyo didn't really – Actually, it hadn't really been as built up as it was now. Yeah, no, it took a while for we, you and I. Uh, give context here, like you and I live in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. LA has a very strong little uh, little Tokyo um, kind of second generation Japanese American neighborhood, and that's where we find most of our Tokusatsu stuff. At right least now, <laughs> but it wasn't like that before. Yeah, um, but in Chinatown, there were there was a store that would sell. Actually, a couple of stores that would sell like kind of bootleg mm-hmm. DVDs. Of, yeah, yeah, of of like entire seasons of anime and right. every now and then I would see like um you know a, a ranger team up movie mm-hmm. and I like oh okay this must be where it came from I like I, I I'm trying to pinpoint at one point I figured out it was at least partially from Japan yeah but I think yeah, that's yeah. when I like put it at least when I put it 100% together it's just like mm-hmm. oh Toku team up movies I'll, I'll get a couple of these I didn't know what right. tokusatsu was yet right yeah. but I'm like ranger team up movies that sounds fun I'm gonna see mm-hmm. what these originals are like mm-hmm. and so I got a, a couple of those and then uh, shortly after that, I think I found out about Magic Ranger, and uh, I downloaded a few fan subs of that. But you know, my internet wasn't such that I was able to keep up with it. But I saw a couple episodes, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
a few years later, I uh, became a big fan of Sergeant Frog, mm-hmm. and there's a character in there named Kogoro who is a parody of uh, Space Sheriff Gavin, except for always in human form. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, the leather jacket and everything. Right? Yeah. And actually, there were some episodes where he was just so messed up, he communicated entirely in, in uh, triumphant laughing. Oh, no. And he had, like, this sister that had to, like, explain for him all the time, almost like he's disabled. Just oh, like, my God. No, I... no, what he's trying to say is, <laughs> even though he's just standing there going, ha, 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 character was hilarious. And, you know, the subtitles for it explained... Look, guys, this is a parody of an actual thing. Right. You should, and I was like, that, I think that's where I found out the name Spacer of Gavin. And so uh, it was around that time I was trying to come up with uh, an action comedy. I was like, specifically, it's like, all right, I pitch comedy shows all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to pitch uh, straight down the middle action comedy for mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had an old character named Go Rama who I'd come up with when I was uh, really little. I was, you know, maybe eight or nine when they came up with him. Mm-hmm. And I designed him, you know, I was a Nintendo-obsessed kid from the 80s, and mm-hmm. I was trying to kind of come up with my, what would my Mario 2 be? Right. And so I'd come up with this kid, uh, Gorama, and I was, like, drawing him on a koala pad on an Apple IIe. So I'm mm-hmm. like, it's like making pixels. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, I'd, like, thought of that old character, mm-hmm. which is kind of a runner in the situation. Right. It's like, I, 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 I don't abandon an old idea. There right. always seems to be a place to, even if I modify it, heavily use it. And so I was like, that character, I, w- I want to do something with him again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would like try- was trying to draw action poses, and I just wasn't satisfied with them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, th- those Japanese superhero kind of things, you know, ranger stuff, I should... I should Look into that. Oh, I should find out who that character is making fun of. I mm-hmm. bet you that would be a good influence on yeah, this concept. Yeah, be a good start. Right. right. And so I went to Kinikuniya in Little Tokyo, which is a place I already went mm-hmm. to all the time. It's a Japanese bookstore, just for everybody to know. Right. Yeah. And so I picked up an issue of Hyper Hobby, mm-hmm. uh, and I was just kind of leafing through it. And because Gokaiger Gavin was about to come out, right. I was flipping through, and there was like an old school picture of you know Kenji Oba as Gavin, mm-hmm. and I'm like what? Here he is. I don't know why this specific thing is in here right now, but here it is. And that was also the first place I saw, uh, that was the first place I saw uh, Forze, mm-hmm. and like it was mid-season, so you were seeing like pictures of Natashiko and pictures mm-hmm. of uh, um, Magnet States, and right. I thought it was just the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Right. Um, and actually, I think I had seen uh, a picture of Gokaidra before that floating around the internet. Ah. I'm like, oh, Pirate Rangers, that's neat. I think my, one of my friends, when it comes to Gokaidra, um, one of my best friends, in order to get her brother in law into Tokusatsu, she was like, well, you like anime. Uh, so this is One Piece anim- uh, live action <laughs> <laughs> anime. So that's how she pitched it. Kind so, of a stretch, but not a bad way to start. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a good, what I usually like to, when it comes to introducing people to Toku, and, and I've, I've, I know I've said this more than once that I really like hearing everybody's origin story when right, it comes right. to how they get into Toku because there's just like so many of them <laughs> and I've said mine way too often which is like you know I watched Bioman as a kid in the Philippines because I, I grew up I was there I was born there grew up there until I was six and then moved out <laughs> here and then watched Power Rangers and yada yada anybody who's listened to this podcast have told me I've said this story way too often whenever I'm on <laughs> I'm getting tired of listening to it um but yeah, like I really like hearing everybody's origin story when it comes to Toku because there's just so many, and especially now, like you mentioned that <laughs> you know Mighty Midas, Mighty Magi Swords, uh, kind of came out of that of right. what you did with Gorama. Can you tell more about that? Yeah, and so uh, 
Oh, yeah, and I'll also mention the name drop I mentioned yes. before where, uh, you know, after, like, seeing that, I uh, and, you know, we started to watch uh, Forze and Gokaidra because they were the current things at the time. Right. Um, uh, I, I uh, was, like, searching around, and I found the Geek Crash course on, you know, both Sentai and... Uh, common writer Michael makes him be very happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and Diana. since th- those had just come out, and that was and that kind of like helped me figure out like the scope of this universe. And then we started watching, you know, older stuff like uh, like uh, Amazon and Stronger. Mm-hmm. And then you know, then gradually got to stuff like uh, W and O's and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so so uh, the thing that I found interesting about kind of the modern ones is that they all had kind of a collectible gimmick that tied directly into the action of the show Mm -hmm. it wasn't kind of this tacked on thing and i mean it was an obvious toy but one of the fun things about that was like oh you can own something that looks like exactly the prop they're using in the show right and i loved how it you know was just like you know fully part of the plot it was like Mm -hmm. completely part of the story and not Mm -hmm. just like a thing that we have to deal with because it's there it's like it's written into the show it is a catalyst to the action Mm -hmm. and then you know Especially since those two shows were directed particularly well, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was definitely a direct cause and effect. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was really neat, and I was like, I kind of want to, you know, if I'm going to come up with an action show, I want to come up with a hook like that. Right. And so influenced by those things, and then influenced by, you know, because you know, when I get into something, I research the heck out of it, and found out about mm-hmm. Shitaro Shinomori, who created those things, and right. you know, I, I fell in love with his art style, and mm-hmm. I was already kind of a Tezuka fan, but that mm-hmm. also, you know, like be- Asher Boy, and right? That, yeah. Um, and so those things started to like become uh, a big influence on me as well, mm-hmm. uh, and and on my drawing style, mm-hmm. uh, and so all these things kind of culminated into this pitch, Gorama, and I spent way too long on it, and it's like <laughs> twenty pages long, possibly more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I pitched it to Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they turned it down. But then uh, a month later, they called me in and said, "Hey, we like the general, you know, feeling of this. We like that it's funny action. Um, we like your drawing style. We kind of like your voice. It can you give us five to seven page uh, pitches?" Mm-hmm. And so I had uh, was kind of like looking through all of my stuff, and I remembered I had. Uh, uh, Vamber and Prohias, who I guess I should go through the history of that now. Yeah, well, like I wanted to ask too, um, since in for those who haven't read the, you are our very first artist feature, and I mentioned this over and over because like it, it, <laughs> you're the reason why I started artist the artist feature. I thought it was just gonna be a monthly thing, and then I figured out that there are so many artists influenced by like obviously superheroes, but in particular Tokusatsu. So either like kaiju or henshin heroes right. or now that you have the boom studios power rangers comic like I'm, mm. I'm like oh my gosh there's all this cover artists and the interior <laughs> artists and and stuff like that but you were our very first one because uh you and i, I am met honored. yes you uh i reached out to you when i saw your work at uh, q-pop gallery which is a local gallery here in la uh they do like tokusatsu shows and and things like that um i guess kind of like even reeling it back further uh how how did you start work? Like, how much does like working with like local art galleries? How did the how does that usually work for you? Because that's how you and I technically met. Well, in this instance, uh, it's because uh, Chris Mitchell, who uh, owns and operates Q Pop, mm-hmm. uh, is a former animation artist. Okay, and so yes, that's how I, I found out about it to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, he did did uh, boards on Samurai Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently does designs for Peabody and Sherman. Oh, that's right. Uh, on Netflix, and um, you know, so I kind of met him that way. I just 
you know, started showing up, striking up conversations, and then, mm-hmm. you know, at one point awkwardly offered my services because, <laughs> you know, I'm a huge Toku fan, and mm-hmm. I was enjoyed the shows that I saw at his mm-hmm. place, and I wanted to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, one one thing that was that, that was fun about doing, like, because I, I think you might have seen the stuff that was in the first show I'd ever done there. Yeah. Um, one thing that was fun about it is that, you know, not everybody who is in the show, you know, it's all animation people, not necessarily people who are particularly not knowledgeable about the subject. Right. And so, you know, he sends out videos. It's like, hey, this is the subject. Here's a bunch of, you know, videos on, on here's like a bunch of examples of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the show is about in an instance Dokusatsu. And so since I was a huge, a new huge fan, I was like, I'm going to do some modern stuff. And actually, right. I think both of those... I think that was when I did... Uh, you did a Kyoryuger one, and then... You did a Kyoryu Carnival. Right. Oh, but, but... Okay, so you must... It, th- I did a show before this where I had done... Uh, I think you posted this image where I had done uh, Akiba Red meeting... Yes! Uh, Aka Red. Yes, yes, yes. Aka yes. Ranger. Aka Ranger. The um, and so. then I had done uh, an arm wrestling picture between uh, Kamen Rider Meteor and Kamen Rider Yes, uh, okay. Super I, I totally remember that. Yes, because I was looking through all your past stuff when we were doing yeah. the artist feature. But, like, yeah, most of the artists are, you know, they're seeing the cool-looking 70s stuff, and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this classic thing, I'll draw that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, trying to get some of the, you know, New, modern stuff yeah, in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is, again, reason why I reached out to you in the first place. I'm like, oh, I think he gets it. I think, <laughs> I think you know what it is. No one knows what Forze is. And you were, like, the only, like, Forze, Kyo Ruger. <laughs> right. That I did see there. That was a very few. <laughs> like not to not to go against anybody else, but that was like, oh hey, that's cool. Um, so how did how did the whole concept with Mighty Magiswords come out, and then how did that connect with all your previous work, especially with Gorama? Because Mighty Magiswords has a very similar gimmick in terms of like you're you know you're collecting and trading. The whole point of it is to right. collect those swords. All the weird swords. I'm going to ask which one's your favorite later on. But sure. We'll, we'll save that for later. So how did that all... Where's the seed of Mighty Magic? So uh, Vember and Prohias, as as well as uh, Phil and Zanji, they, they, it all started in 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend had gotten me, like, insisted that I start playing JRPGs. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was already a pretty big video game nut by that point. You know, right. I already referenced being an 80s Nintendo kid. Mm-hmm. But um, so he uh, lent me his copy of... Uh, Final Fantasy Three, which is six, and I think maybe also like I, I was definitely seeing Chrono Trigger at that point, mm-hmm. but you know I, I was playing my first RPGs and I'm like, oh, I really like this, and like kind of the whole swords and sorcery thing up to that point was kind of actually kind of lost on me, right? Uh, but this was kind of my, I was like, oh, I, I really like this. Here's a new, here's a genre I didn't know I liked, mm-hmm. and so I was like, well, I want to come up with what my party would be like, and that's when I came up with those guys, right. uh, and I did kind of one maybe two drawings of all of them and then that was about it because at that point <laughs> i was just kind of coming up with characters all the time and kind of pouring them into um uh uh zeddy which was this uh, high school comedy that i would just shove mm-hmm. characters in all the time mm-hmm. and i mean around that time i was reading a lot of ronma one half and there was always a new character in ronma right. one half and i think i was just trying to do the same thing right right, right. um but uh so, I, you know, those characters just kind of went by the wayside, but I still kept the drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, after I did uh, Bluebeard the Cow Pirate uh, short at Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just, uh, made it, I just made it a point to pitch all the time from that point. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of brought those characters back again because I was pitching regularly and I, you know, wanted to have a new show to pitch just all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I didn't want to, you know, 
there's a certain danger to just like pitching one concept all the time right. because it's it's just if it's not the time and place for this idea, it's mm-hmm. not going to be the time and place for that idea tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I kind of think of it like the whole Ira Glass thing, where it's like the only way that you can really catch up with like for you to catch up with your ambitions is that like for your skills to catch up too, and the only way to do that is to just keep creating, right? And keep doing something different and just kind of throwing it at the wall so that mm-hmm. like. Your skills catches up with your ambitions. <laughs> that kind of very esoteric thing that I like to say, but like that totally makes sense. Is that you just kept creating yeah. and kept pitching and doing something? Yeah, different. and and it didn't mean I was like throwing the old idea away. Right. It was just like, okay, I'll put this aside. Maybe I'll come back to it later. Mm-hmm. Maybe like parts of this can become part of another idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and actually, some of the uh, other ancillary characters, actually now major characters who you know, you will see in the show soon came mm-hmm. from another idea entirely that oh, I'd come cool. up with in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but more about that in the future. Yes. Um, and so that, you know, sometimes I'll just squish ideas together and it'll work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually some characters in the show now are just from unrelated concepts who became, they became a good idea for the show. Uh, but anyway, so I had those characters, you know, I pitched them in 2006 or so and mm-hmm. that didn't go anywhere. But I was like, all right, well, this is a little bit more figured out. That's where, you know, some of the things that are still part of the show now got figured out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like a Warriors for Hire service and, right. uh, you know, the town being called Riboflavin. And, you know, some some <laughs> things. And actually there is there is one episode in there that in uh, that pitch that became with a lot of retooling an actual episode. Mm-hmm. And so even though the show was very different, then there's still like – one show con one episode concept that was able to save mm-hmm. um but yeah then in uh about 2012 i had pitched it as a kind of an adult show to mondo media mm-hmm. it was uncomfortable and weird <laughs> i mean not not them dealing with me i mean what my pitch actually was okay just because it's i i'm not inherently a guy who comes up with an adult show I, mm. i'm a goofball who makes kid shows and right. that's for the most part who i'm always going to be um <laughs> that's what we love about it 100 <laughs> but uh and so it's just these characters the set of characters i had and so i'm like after cartoon network saw go rama and said no but show us more stuff mm-hmm. uh, i was like okay what do I have? What do I have that's action comedy or, you know, has potential? Mm-hmm. And actually, here's the thing I didn't tell you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing I pitched was a – it was actually uh, – uh, you know uh, Mark Morella goes by Zix? Yes. He had a design a uh, Metal Hero contest on DeviantArt. Oh. And so I came up with this character called uh, Arcade Fighter – no, it was Game Fighter Arcader. Which is really funny because now we got news that the latest Common Rider is going to be game related. It's actually very similar in concept to how X Aid works. You can't which see is... my face in the audio, but I'm like. <gasps> I'm <sorry. laughs> Although you know, did you also see my picture of Common Rider Ghost Slapper before Ghost came no. out? No. Like uh, I recorded a, uh, you know, I record music as well. I recorded a song with my friend Ian under the you know band name Scooter Picnic. Okay, we're but we, we'll you know, it, it was a song. It was a song called Getting Halloween, where we were like playing pranks on each other for mm-hmm. Halloween, mm-hmm. and then like it kind of devolves at the end where you know we were uh, like my computer was actually possessed and so Ian's a huge Ghostbusters fan mm-hmm. so he like put on his proton pack and became a Ghostbuster oh my God. and then I was like well I need to match this and so I became Common Rider Ghost Slapper and then like and a, then Rider maybe Ghost? half a year later Common Rider Ghost gets announced oh, that's and so amazing. I've now predicted Common Riders twice <laughs> 
I should like that's why whenever we do any kind of predictions later on and like for Tokenet, I'm totally <laughs> just gonna reach out to you going, What have you done beforehand? All right, what's new? What's what's the crystal ball for the new comic? Because you know Oh, I'm I'm already worried that Common Rider Bunch of Swords is gonna come out. <laughs> <laughs> Common Rider, even more blades. Yes. Oh my god, I would be so. I'd be so down with that. You would have like. <laughs> I'm waiting for that pumpkin sword, like to come mm. out. Like it, uh, the ghost mashup for that Common Rider <laughs> would totally be that pumpkin sword that they're um, giving away out in in uh, Comic Con. Right. Did you get one? I didn't. Yeah, I think we okay. can get you one. Oh um. boy. Because my friends thought, like, my friends were, it, it's one of those things sometimes I'm trying to, when you're talking about Comic Con or just any con conventions, right. I try to, like, pump the brakes on how much free stuff I get. But then I realize <laughs> there's a lot of people who are just like, I've never been. I'm all like, just give it to me. Just give it to me. And so I had my friends like, well, what am I going to do with a pumpkin sword? I'm all like, duh, Halloween. Like, Im- like imagine. <laughs> Just, like, just anybody who gives you crap about, like, Kingdom Hearts stuff, like, just reach out. Like, anybody wearing, like, wheeling a keyblade, just reach out with your pumpkin sword, like, your mighty mighty. It, it's soft and fun for bopping friends exactly. and enemies. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, really so. funny. I'm waiting for Kamen Rider Bunch of Swords now. <laughs> My favorite thing. So, yeah, the, so the first thing, I was trying to give them a pitch a week because I'm pretty fast yeah. like you know it's like five to seven pages i can do that mm-hmm. uh and so the first week i you know pitched uh, arcader you know i was like had that one drawing i did for that contest and mm-hmm. i'm like let me figure out what this is right and so i figured out what that is and actually a cartridge mechanic in the belt is exactly what i had done <laughs> we're, every but time like, we're gonna watch x8 together and i'll be like oh my god kyle thought of that before what are you doing toy but you know but i'm like i'm actually really excited about it because it's like cool i don't have to do this idea now <laughs> somebody else is doing this idea i get to just watch it yeah because um, when i create stuff i'm creating stuff that i would want to watch right and and that includes you know tying it like we keep using the word gimmick, but really mm-hmm. I'm, I like, consider it, like, the hook. It's, yes. like, the catalyst for what the show is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I'm thinking about, like, what is fun to do in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is a great place for, you know, both action and gags to come from. There's, right. like, all these different swords. But, yeah, I had the set of characters, and I'm, like, uh, trying to figure out what their gimmick was. And uh, Vamber, you know, I she was already... Uh, you know, a sword's human. And mm-hmm. so, like, I had drawn her with a sword before, and I'm like, the sword. Well, if I'm, if like, you know, these gimmicks are usually, you know, on some sort of a theme. Well, what if it was, you know, the varying theme was swords? But, mm-hmm. you know, I went ahead and made them weird. Right. <laughs> and that was something that, you know, th- that they were very interested in, is how weird some of these, you know, first ideas for swords were. What were your first ideas for swords? Um, I think the ones, the first ones that were in the pitch, um, Dolphin wasn't there yet, Zombie Pumpkin wasn't there yet, Excaliburger was in there. Yes. Uh, there was Confusing Alien Magisword. Uh, cheese. That's the best. Tomato was in there because I definitely wanted, like, punishment for puns to be a thing, like, right off the bat. In fact, I think it, like, it, it's called Tomato Magisword now, but I think in the pitch it was called Tomato Revenge Magisword. Oh, God. Um, I'm okay with that. There's a, a significant pun off in our Tokenet staff. Because <laughs> we, we just released the Amazon, Common uh, Rider Amazon's uh, podcast, which we talked oh, cool. about, like, you know, the newest uh, the newest Amazon uh, show that's released through Amazon Video in Japan. Right. And so Michael, speaking of Michael Nixon and his decrash courses, <laughs> he... 
he basically is called the original Amazon show. It's like, so basically you have the original Amazon show as Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, boo. <laughs> no. So that revenge tomato will be quite useful for something. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I and so, you know, I sent that in. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, I wasn't going in to pitch them. I was actually sending them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, which actually, I actually liked better at that point because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like when I pitch, I'll like forget an important detail. Right. But uh, this way, I was like, okay, they're five to seven short pages, so they're short enough to read, and uh, you know, I, I don't have to worry about leaving out any details because it's already there in print. Right. Um. But yeah, I was working on. I had like. I had already, like, broken my one pitch a week thing, but I had, like, three or four in progress Mm -hmm. that were kind of just, like, developing at various paces. And I'm like, so I'm working on those, and that's, you know, when they contacted me and they said they wanted to see more of uh, Magiswords. You know, they wanted to – well, basically, you know, how I told you I came home with, like, a 20-page pitch. Mm -hmm. Well, I I, I shouldn't have been doing that because, like, (laughs) they, you know – they, they, they paid me to develop hey. it the rest of the way. I mean, hey. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I've been giving it away for free for years. <laughs> Are you paid for this? Wow. And I mean, that was, you know, I, I was working on that, on that mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, pitch package that they had me developing for a while. And mm-hmm. eventually they called me in mm-hmm. uh, to tell me that they wanted me to start making 15 second episodes mm-hmm. for the CN Anything app. Okay, so that's what we see that's now available on the YouTube page. Actually, yeah. no. Th- those were those are the three minute ones, and okay. actually, we had just barely started production on the fifteen second ones. And when oh. they told me that they wanted to do uh, ten three minute episodes for mm-hmm. the web, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the anything app was the fifteen second ones that we right. had. Okay, I remember that. And I don't know if you've ever seen the ones on the uh, seen anything app. I haven't but... seen it on the app. I've only seen one the 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 three minute ones on YouTube, which is basically what happens in the see in anything app is you see about a five second setup for a situation. Okay. And then you choose your magisword <laughs> and you is see how voice? it plays out. Yeah. Yeah, I play the announcer. I always do that last in the recordings because uh, I'll hurt myself if I do it in the middle of the recordings and I don't want to affect the rest of the you have performance. Some, like, but... like, like you just remember you speaking of Toku, like that I was gonna probably ask you like who does that announcer voice because <laughs> in terms of Toku like you always sometimes get um, I was watching Cocker Ranger recently especially for for the podcast and mm-hmm. they have like this you always have this weird announcer that's like oh this oh, is oh yeah the guy the guy with the fans sitting at yeah. the table saying weird things yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and he and for him, that's kind of like a traditional <laughs> Japanese like kind of gimmick where right, right. like the the uh, storyteller telling this, this <laughs> weird weird story um, but then you would have like varying announcers sometimes um oh god i forget my favorite part is always when the announcer makes fun of what's going on or the narrator makes fun of what's going on right and you kind of just like hit that pitch with that with the uh, well the, the reason the reason the announcer is there mm-hmm. uh is because i one of the things i liked about you know uh, in Gokaiger and in uh, Kyoryuger is that mm-hmm. they just had this overexcited announcer screaming it every time it came out. And that yes. was like, I love that that made it catchy. That like helped me remember the names of what all the things were. Mm-hmm. I just loved that it was, you know, it, it's certainly not unlike calling out a move, but mm-hmm. I just liked that there was this like thing telling you exactly what was going on. And it's like a fun thing to hear. It was a fun thing to like yell back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there were times when I would... Uh, 
just at Lindsay, apropos of absolutely nothing, go, Gingaman! <laughs> just because I like the way he yelled it. <laughs> like, my, my favorite still is, like, the way... Uh, for Kyoruju, you have like the Vamula in the end, mm-hmm. and there's no way you can get me to actually say that thing <laughs> because I am not as very voice active. Well, that, that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, did you just as an aside? Now that I know that you you're the announcer, <laughs> uh, was voice acting kind of like your thing before? Was that something you were always interested in doing? It, it's well, it, it was sort of something that, that uh, did it just fall on your lap. Well, it's one of those things where I always, you know, as someone who studied cartoons in general, it was mm-hmm. always something I was interested in, not to mention being part of mm-hmm. funny music and just being into comedy in general. Right. Um, you know, just between that interest and, you know, when recording songs, I was also recording skits and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just kind of part of my interest window. Uh, I had taken um, – I had taken sort of a, hey, am I actually good at this class <laughs> at uh, Bang Zoom Entertainment? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, a few of Tony Oliver's classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was like, oh, okay, I, I am I, I am possibly actually ready to work good at this. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I suspected, but I don't know. I'm just some guy who talks to himself in his room, sometimes records it. Um, it works so well because you also have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Um but uh, yeah, that that that's something that just kind of like being from being interested in it, and you know, from doing stage performances and mm-hmm. recording things that I thankfully am good at because it's <laughs> very. I play a lot of characters on the show. Which okay, so now you have the narrator. Who else do you play on the show? Okay, so because I I have to stick to the three minutes, so okay. uh, I play Prohias. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I play Grup, the 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 dragon in the cave. Oh, okay. Well, actually, okay. Uh, Prug is the dragon in the cave. The mm-hmm. other dragon you see later is Grup, but he sounds different now. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> and actually, you would have heard his new voice at Comic Con if you had seen the new thing we made. I didn't get to. <laughs> it was one of those things where we kind of had to pick and choose, like where right, I right. Had to be. And since I'm the, I'm technically the only person like out here, other than like Michael and and, and Carol. <laughs> Uh, who have very solid nine to five jobs? <laughs> Me as Tokenet, like, I'm, I'm, like there's, I, we're very, very short staffed in terms of who can cover Comic Con, so right. I basically have to pick and choose. Uh, so unfortunately, I didn't get to see any of the Cartoon Network stuff. Which well, it's okay. Really like really um, a lot of the clips that we released are yes, you know, that's online like, now. A lot of it, like now when people are just uh, they're like, oh, it's too bad you can't be there in person. Well, like, they're, I'm really happy <laughs> that studios are generous enough that like. Basically, if not the day of Comic-Con, or like the week of Comic-Con, they'll do it like the week after. Right. They'll post it all on their social media. <laughs> they'll have some of the panels like on YouTube. So I'm like, good, I can catch up to this. And I'm like, I'll keep an eye out for Kyle like in the audience judging the costume ball and stuff like that. So. <laughs> uh, and also Old Man Oldman. And so uh, I think that's everyone in the th- – no. No, I play uh, Goomer the Slime and then also uh, Franklo the Ankylosaurus. Uh, is that everyone now? No, Zombie Pumpkin Magic Sword. Yes! <laughs> yes! I think that's everyone now. I think I, I, I just recently, I watched the short again with the Zombie Pumpkin Magic Sword. <laughs> it's like those little moments where like, yes, please, I would like to be pointed there. It's like this little, like, I think it's my favorite trope where you have the soft-spoken character in the background just going, okay. <laughs> um, just kind of moving things along, just in that small <laughs> Um, I guess my question next is like, why do Prohias and Vember have different 
absence? You will find out more about that as we go along. Okay. But, uh, what can I tell you about that? Well, okay. You know, um, obviously, don't, don't spoil anything, because that's the whole I will tell you that hearing their parents will be no help at all. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Oh, my God. Um, I guess we I quickly asked, like, how, what, since it's so, the way Cartoon Network is releasing uh, Mighty Magiswords is kind of, like, new for, right? kind of new, uh, <laughs> you're going to have, I read that it's going to be, like, shown through various platforms and you're probably, right. and it's going to, like, also develop, like, uh, you can trade for, for fans to kind of trade their own Magiswords mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, how did, uh... It went from pitching the sh- kind of accepting the show to how it's going to be released. Well, basically, so we started with the fifteen second ones for CN Anything, which mm-hmm. was at that point they were you know trying to get new content specifically made for the app, right. and so uh, I started doing those. But pretty quickly they had me start doing the uh, the you know three minute ones as well, mm-hmm. uh, and the three minute ones uh, that was kind of a neat situation because it's. Um, basically doing a bunch of shorts that are super short instead of doing one pilot. Mm-hmm. And that was a really favorable situation creatively mm-hmm. because, it, well, if you look at the way Van Brimpohias act in the first one, it's already very different from the way they act in the last one. Right. And then if when you see things going forward, you'll see that they've actually changed quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you, were, if you were to have read what their personalities were explained like in the pitch, mm-hmm. it's very different than what it was even in execution from the start, uh, just because, you know, when I went, went to actually sit down and write them, different stuff came out. Right. <laughs> and also, you know, also as I'm gradually giving, you know, the network stuff, they're, you know, reacting favorably to different things. And I'm like, oh, well, they enjoyed that. I'll lean more towards that thing that they liked. And so it was – so instead of, like, having everything riding on just, like – one story that I hope will represent what this show is like. Mm-hmm. Here's a bunch of little stories that can like show little parts of their entire universe in different situations they might end up in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it also helped me show that, you know, we weren't really, there wasn't really a formula. It wasn't always, we're going to go find a sword or we're going to go do this job. Mm-hmm. It, it's lots of different things. Right. It's like very, like very, all like the different. What I really liked about it when I was watching like all the uh, different three minute segments in the show was that each episode it wasn't like exactly it, but it wasn't formulaic in right. that sense. Like where it always starts off with an adventure, <laughs> or it always starts off with like somebody commissioning them to do something. Right. Or, well, I, I think if it was formulaic, I would get I would get bored. Yeah. <laughs> and I would you know, so too. like. The plan from the very start was for them to have this fairly expansive universe and mm-hmm. for there to be different characters in, in mm-hmm. these different parts of their world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also as we went down, they kind of like in their hometown, there's more and more, you know, Springfield-like side right. characters. So how is the world, like how fun then is like the world building for Magic? It's extremely fun. <laughs> and especially, you know, when... You know, not only will I surprise myself, I'll be like, oh, well, this area wasn't originally part of the plan, but I mm-hmm. guess it can go over here. Right. Or I didn't know this was going on in this area. And also, you know, the storyboard artists who are working mm-hmm. on the show now will, you know, surprise me with a detail. And I treat absolutely everything as canon. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, this is canon now. This has to fit in with this. Right. So uh, I guess my, my, as we kind of like 
wind things down a little bit. Like, can you walk us through like the process of creating like an episode? Like, how how collaborative is it with like like yourself? I know Lindsay is also working on it. Right. Well, well, it actually it, it varied a bit from the different versions. The okay. fifteen second ones, most of them I storyboarded myself. Okay. Um, and there there were a few on the back end of them where uh, we hired a freelance storyboard artist, mm-hmm. you know, who was working off of outlines that I wrote. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, like writing an outline for a fifteen-second cartoon. Mm-hmm. It's a bizarre thing to try to do, um, but yeah, those. And I was I was working directly in a program called Storyboard Pro that lets you make an animatic, oh. you know, in the same program that you're storyboarding in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how else I'm going to figure out how long a fifteen-second storyboard is. Mm-hmm. This is like not a situation you usually find yourself in. I'm like, okay, I want to be able to make my own animatic so right. I know exactly what's going on here and that's actually how we ended up doing a bunch of the voices is oh. they liked the way the scratch that sounded right right uh and so that's the way the three minute the five minute ones and the three minute ones went i mm-hmm. you know storyboarded most of the 15 second ones and all of the three minute ones mm-hmm. um and uh uh those ones were done those ones and the next ones we did those were all done with an in-house uh, animation staff mm-hmm. uh and so the turnaround was like I'm not 100% sure why we had a tight deadline, but we had a tight deadline. And, uh, you know, I also, you know, we were, we were a flash show. I had to be careful of how many assets we were making. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes we would do goofy things like, hey, here's Nohias, who is Prohias' evil twin. We don't know where he came from. He's really confusing. He thinks he is Prohias. It's super weird. It's And it's just Prohias mm-hmm. with a mustache and a palette swap and a derby and I'm doing a macho man Randy Savage voice. That's the best. <laughs> and yeah. like like there are a few things in here that are just me making fun of our budget. Like there's a mysterious <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Mysterious Hooded Woman who's one of the regular, yes. you know, uh you know, clients. Mm-hmm. There's a reason she doesn't have a mouth or feet. <laughs> She's gotta get it out. Yep. That's what also what I really like. Like even feeling that both you know, animation and even tokusatsu kind of feeling where you kind of just like fly by seat your pants and mm-hmm. use whatever you can. It's like sometimes whenever I, when we were watching Conrad or Amazons, <laughs> and it's in my head because I was just listening to the podcast right. earlier today, was that like they'll reuse, they blew all their budgets for like the first, the main characters, Alpha and Omega. And then you see everybody else going, that's just your run of the mill. I could get that headset in Radio Shack. Like I can, <laughs> that's the suit from here. And then how they kind of retool all these things and so I'm thinking about like Leopardon where they lost the suit and so there's no Oh really? For Spider-Man. So the big tidbit for Spider like the Toei Spider-Man I'm uh-huh. digressing for a little bit. Yeah. But the biggest thing for for Toei Spider-Man was that uh in like 1970s where Leopardon is considered to be the strongest robot in Tokusatsu because midway through they lost the suit so they just kept reusing the same shot over and over after a while how do you lose a robot suit nobody knows it's like one of the biggest mysteries in Tokyo history like they lost a giant robot suit for the Japanese Spider-Man series like how does that happen did they steal it did it break and, and they couldn't possibly have made another they one couldn't have, there was like slowly losing budget more and more so it's like it never got seen as destroyed, so it was never destroyed. It always prevailed. Everything that got destroyed was the monster. So Leopardon has the has the reputation of being the strongest robot in Toku because it never got destroyed Boy, on camera. Sure got messed up fast in Spider Verse, considering that. Right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so I was gonna ask, like, what's your favorite? God, we're dorks. No, it's fine. We wouldn't be doing this. If we True. Were. I mean, let's let's be fair. 
Uh, so what's your, which one's your favorite magic sword? I've mentioned that I love Pumpkin. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I want to finish answering your yes, question yes, from yes, before. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, then the five-minute ones. Have, basically, we kind of, like, just increased having more and more staff as the different versions went okay. on. So, mm-hmm. you know, we made between three-minute episodes and the 11-minute episodes. We, aired, we you know, showed one at Cartoon, on, uh, Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were five-minute episodes, mm-hmm. and those are interactive uh they're you know you'll be able to first at first you'll be able to just watch them but then later on down the line you'll be able to actually choose magic swords at two points in uh but on those and that's so through the app right hmm? is that that's through the app or i, I shouldn't talk about how okay. they're going to release them right. but they're going to release them okay good. um but uh yeah so those you know gradually brought more people in you know i i boarded a lot of those but then i was also able to bring in uh zoe moss as uh, a freelancer at, mm-hmm. at at some point in there when they realized that I was dying, <laughs> um, and uh, also I had uh, as a storyboard revisionist uh, my friend Luke Ski, who I actually know from the comedy music world, oh, cool. and he was like you know doing caricatures in Chicago at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I brought him over here to be my revisionist, and he was it was very helpful to have on that because I could, you know, because he is someone who knows how to write very well and in the mm-hmm. style of the show. I, basically, I hired him because he was obsessed with the show. Like, I told him about it, I showed them to him, and he became completely obsessed with it. I'm like, okay, well, that's got to be much better than, you know, bringing people in who I have to explain the heck out right. of this to. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's why I have, like, the, the, the staff members of Tokudet that I have. Like, right. I don't have to explain Toku to you. Like, you know exactly what... And I, he actually made himself very easy to hire because oh, cool. basically what happened is this. I realized that Luke hadn't really necessarily story, storyboarded before, mm-hmm. but I'd seen his comics. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, Luke, let me give you... We've talked about this on our podcast, but I'm like, Luke, let me give you sort of like a really basic test so I can see what level you're at and so I can, like, figure out how to get you up to shape that... You know, in the future, when I need a storyboard artist, you'll be ready. Mm-hmm. And I'll be able to say, hey, look at this guy. We should hire this guy. Mm-hmm. And so I gave him the very basic assignment to, okay, storyboard this. It's somebody comes into Warriors for Hire and hires the Warriors, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, all I wanted was just kind of the setup. Mm-hmm. Like, not even a full first act. It's just somebody comes in, hires the Warriors, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he misunderstood the assignment and made a nine-and-a-half-minute uh, animatic with sound and music. Oh my goodness! And so I showed this to them upstairs. Uh-huh. They're like, "Well, uh, we have to hire this guy." <laughs> and actually, it's like golden um, star for overachieving. And actually, now that we're into the eleven minutes, we ended up producing that episode. That's like fantastic. you know, we expanded it, uh, and yeah, that episode actually exists now. Yay. So dreams do come true. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so we, I was able to hire him as a revisionist, and mm-hmm. you know, that was good for me because I had somebody who knew how to write the show because mm-hmm. that's we kind of have a unique voice and it's not yeah. always easy to get people to figure out how to write like the characters and like there's at least one other person on staff who knows how to write the show mm-hmm. um and then uh let's see so then then all those experiences led to him being able to you know be a storyboard artist later mm-hmm. but yeah so uh, basically what happens is once we get a uh, storyboard that's you know in, in animatic form because we do it with scratch voices because that's how I know it's the time right uh, and once it's approved by the network mm-hmm. we uh, the the directors break it down and figure out what new poses need to be created because you know being a flash show mm-hmm. it's basically you know it, it's kind of, it's kind of like the characters are made out of like predetermined pieces that you're moving around it's right. kind of like color forms it's like 
what South Park is obviously doing, mm-hmm. except for, you know, a hopefully better looking version than that. <laughs> um, but, uh, and so, you know, we were figuring, they like look through the board, see what, you know, crazy poses need to be done. And, you know, moving from threes to the fives, we were able to do a lot more poses because we had like more people on staff. Lindsay mm-hmm. was in house. And then, you know, we had like a little bit more time to work on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we were one notch up. And then, you know, once we got into the 11s, we now have two uh, character designers on staff and mm-hmm. then a freelancer uh, elsewhere who were just like, okay, now we're able to all, you know. I take on a few myself because I want some of my drawings to still be in right, the show. Right, right, right. Um, and well, so, you know. I was going to ask, like, how much, like, now that you now that I know you're doing most, like, the, the vo- you also do the voices right. and stuff like that, like, to balance not wrecking your hand <laughs> working yeah. on the show, like, how much are you, like... Well, I mean, I, I have to delegate. We have, yeah. you know, thankfully a full, like, now we have, like, a full staff, the size staff mm-hmm. that an animated show should actually have. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of gradually building up, gradually having, you know, bringing more people in as we became more of a fully, mm-hmm. you know, realized, mm-hmm. you know, television production from a, you know, from the kind of web production that hadn't quite actually been done before. Right. <laughs> so that was like I guess leading up to that like what what is your favorite magic story? Cuz I've I've mentioned the love the pumpkin one cuz okay, it's still now, hilarious to me. It's not a super easy question to answer because now we have sentient ones and non-sentient ones. Yes. Cuz and so like, you know, I really like like dolphin and pumpkin as characters. Yes. But that doesn't mean that I think they're like the coolest magic swords <laughs> we've come up with as as magic swords. Right. So um, I can only talk about so many of them. Of mm-hmm. the ones you know about, I think mm-hmm. Excalibur is probably my favorite. Oh my goodness! And that's you know, part of that is that I just kind of like burgers as imagery. <laughs> just like I like how like burgers look. I like how drawings of burgers look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that one just kind of like appeals to me in this very basic way. Mm-hmm. And then it's also a super weird idea that it's a burger shaped mag- magic sword that not only shoots burgers but burgers with little propellers on them. <laughs> I think that that was my little tidbit when it comes to that was like all what each magic sword can really do and what <laughs> it what it actually shoots out because it's not what you expect. Right. Case in point, yeah, oh, and propellers. Frankly, the weirder we're being, the happier the network is with us. Yes. And uh, so we like to keep it weird here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I actually wanted to talk to you real quick because since you mentioned you know working in music and stuff like that, how did that we're kind of closing out with where you started. Mm-hmm. Um, how did both the the comedy music and your love and work in animation? How did how did that kind of like blossom? Well, or... that's sort of you know I, I told you that I had like shown them that pitch. Well, they they like looked in like when I first pitched Gorama, they like mm-hmm. looked into who I was mm-hmm. and like the different things that I had done, mm-hmm. and you know they the interesting thing about uh, Cartoon Network or at least. Uh, probably in general, but definitely with, you know, my particular executives, is that it's not that they're necessarily looking for the right project. They're looking for the right person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the I reason they... always really good to, like, reach out for rather yeah. than... And so, and so after that pitch, I had already kind of sold them on me, and that includes, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a guy who can do music. I actually did all the... Um, score pieces for the three-minute ones. Oh, cool. You know, I thankfully have someone helping me with that now. (laughs) But, um, you know, the fact that I could do music was an attractive thing for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's, you know, then, you know, songs can show up in the show and you'll Mm -hmm. actually 
see more and more of them as we actually have the real estate for them. Right. Because right, right. <laughs> you can only fit so much music in, you know, some you know, so many, you know, song type songs into mm-hmm. a three minute cartoon. Mm-hmm. Although we do have one fifteen second that has a song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking too, like since Cartoon Network, most of their shows too now have like a really strong music component. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I would. Really looking forward to how that plays out in Magiswords, especially since I know it's going to be you. And I right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Like, I could sing your praises all day because you're just awesome. <laughs> I would like I'll to. I'll a good one with I you. Know. I'm being super, super, I'm trying to be as nice as possible. Because like, you're the one that like, hooked me up to like talking to Fujiyama Ichiban. Oh, right, right, right. And stuff like that. So, like, a lot of the stuff that I really do, I, I give a lot of credit to both of you and Linz, like, how you were one of the big integral parts of how Tokenet came to be. Oh wow! Because no, because of artist feature, and so well, like thank you. yeah, you were, like I talked to <laughs> glad you. to be a part of it. Oh yeah, you you got to you know you were our first one, and Lindsay um, Smith now Caruso uh, uh, became one of our second ones, and and so and then you hooked me up with Fujiyama Ichiban, which is a small independent tokusatsu right. here in LA. And so, like, I got to talk to him, and then from there, like, he got to talk to, like, oh, hey, look at Tokusatsu Network. And then you were reached out to other artists, too. Like, hey, look at Tokusatsu Network. And I'm like, hey, everybody, look at us. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of feeling. So I really, like, one, thank you so much for, like, having me here and just see, like, all the work that you do for Magiswords. Oh, and, my pleasure. Yeah. So when, uh, uh, you also have, in addition to Magiswords, which is right now available, you can find the thir- three-minute episodes on YouTube right, right now. Um, and actually, those are uh, those are airing between episodes now as well. So oh, you cool. might see them on TV. Very cool. And so, and then you also have a podcast. Yes, uh, Luke and I have a podcast called Kyle and Luke Talk About Tunes, <laughs> where me and Luke, unsurprisingly, talk about cartoons. Ah, oh, that's a big spoiler. Alert. Yes, what that show is wow. <laughs> Gotta give that spoiler alert. <laughs> so yeah, so. Thanks. No, no problem. <laughs> so much for being with me. And I'm sorry we got to miss out, like, the first half of what you talked about. Well, that's okay. I, 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 we covered most of what we talked about. Yeah. Well, I like to think that, like, that's just going to be for me now. So whenever you and I do hang out, like, <laughs> off off record, like, I'm like, so how is Catskills? Like, I was like, growing up in there. And if, for, for everyone who's listening who do, doesn't know us, that they could just go to Tokenet and read the very first yes. artist feature that I keep pounding. And I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last time I'm on your I podcast. really hope not, because <laughs> you are so much fun to talk to. And then Especially once things actually come out and you can <laughs> see I can what I've really been doing. I can ask you all the details. All of yeah. it. Like, each, oh, I'll ask for favorite episodes and stuff like that. So. <laughs> but yeah, thanks. Thanks Thank so you. Thanks again for listening to the Tokenet Podcast, the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network. If you like what you hear, you can help us out by leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It lets us know how we're doing and also helps others find the show. For more, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you can find interviews with your favorite tokusatsu actors. And for everything we've ever done, you can head over to our main site at tokusatsunetwork.com. 